Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Solutions Brewing Podcast. Uh, my name is Stephen Sock, and I am joined this week by Robert Kalachuk. And surprisingly, uh, this is the third in the trifecta of one of us missing each week. So Brendan couldn't be with us today, and that completes the uh, kind of the perfect pairings of the last three weeks, because I had to miss two weeks ago, uh, Rob had to miss last week, and now Brendan had to move, uh, miss this week. So, yeah, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> shit happens. Yeah, shit happens. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's kind of funny because me all you listened to the pod the episode last week, but we're like Rob's perfect record is broken. He has never missed a podcast. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still did the editing too. <laughs> yeah. Which you, we are very grateful that you did. Yeah. Because I was trying, I was, uh, for this week, because uh, we didn't know if you were going to be able to make it either, I was testing out the Audacity software, and I'm like, it's really good that someone actually knows how to use this, because I'm just fumbling around, and I'm slowly getting it, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> and especially if we had to publish uh, an episode this week, it's going to be like, okay, Wednesday night's going to be a long night, we're going to yeah. figure this out and, like, cobble it together. Yeah, it takes a, it I, takes a little bit of work, but um, it it works out. I should actually, um, just in case I am away, I have like a, a base file that I use mm. that has the uh, intro and outro music. And they just plop in the audio in the middle. Yeah, and you just throw it in. Yeah. And then that way you can, uh, you just have to like line those up and yeah. So you don't cue the music. The music is always cued. Pretty So when Brennan tells you to cue the music, it's already there. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking facts about your favorite podcast reveal. Work smarter, not harder, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> True that. And speaking about uh, working smarter, not harder, our topic for the uh, for the day today is homebrew clubs, which I'm pr I'm pretty sure we've mentioned before on the podcast, but we've never actually talked about in depth. Um, and I thought it'd be an interesting topic for the two of us because. I was actually quite uh, invested in my, in the local homebrew club in uh, in Calgary, and uh, you know, as a on the other flip side, Rob, you were like not at all. <laughs> no, I never joined any clubs. Um, kind of when I was getting more into beer, was I was living in Calgary at the time, and then mm -hmm. and then I ended up getting work in Fort McMurray, and there are no clubs in Fort McMurray when I was there. <laughs> there were like Facebook interest groups, but no real like, you know, no, no, like no club or meetings or anything like that. Um, yeah. The closest thing I had to that was at that time, Wood Buffalo Bruco was up there. Uh, they don't exist there anymore. Um, Which is a shame. Yeah. And the closest thing I had to that was, yeah, I was I spent a lot of time in the uh, Wood Buffalo Brew Co. and and I would uh, just talk with the brewers there, hang out with them, mm -hmm. just ask them questions, and uh, actually that's how I got a lot of my ingredients as well, because uh, there's no home brew shop in Fort McMurray either. There might be now, I don't know, I didn't check, but I haven't I haven't lived in Fort McMurray for three years now, but I was there for five years and mm -hmm. there was there was nothing. Um, yeah, it was it's kind of like a beer desert almost, and you think. Uh, you know, for being so remote and, you know, in the middle of nowhere that there would be at least a hobby shop or something like that to bring some stuff in and sell to the locals. But 
Nothing. No, there's nothing there. Uh, there is another brewery there that took this took over the same space that Wood Buffalo Bruco is mm-hmm. or was in. Uh, I can't remember the name. I've never actually been there because this happened after I had left town. Um, but yeah, I mean, so they still do still have a brewery there at least. Um, but uh, if for any like club stuff, even when I was in when I, when I came back to town, I still didn't join any clubs because by that time. Uh, we had incorporated ourselves as a company and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I felt like it was, it, I don't think the, any club would be opposed to it, but I felt like it was inappropriate. So I didn't want to do it. Um, but if I did go to anything, then, you know, I, you know, I'd pay the fee or whatever for the, uh, you know, cause I wasn't a member. I wasn't there to freeload. Mm-hmm. I was there to help support the group. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, for our listeners who don't know Albertan geography at all, uh, one of the good reasons why Rob has not been back to Fort McMurray is uh, it is not a it well it is a day trip. Uh, you need to spend at least six and a half hours, and probably more than if you if you're not going like Mach two down the Kiwi two and all the the like the Lock Labish Highway or anything like that or Highway sixty three because uh, it's about like uh, it's. 750 kilometers or 800 kilometers from calgary 700, like it's 750 i lived uh going from the north end of calgary to north end of fort mcmurray so was it would take me seven and a half hours yeah and i remember way way this is many many years ago uh i worked on the south end of uh of fort mcmurray so as i had a head start essentially uh it was, it was outside of a small town called Anzac, mm. and it was a oil sands project out there. And we would do from Fort Mc, from that location, which is a, a little bit of a head start to Calgary in six and a half hours. And like we were doing more than 120 in a lot of spots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anzac is a neat little place. It's got, uh, well, it's got the hockey arena <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and it has a biker bar. <laughs> Yep, and uh, we would flee site on occasion, go to the biker bar for, like, real food, because the food they had on site was just terrible. Uh, it was so greasy. Do you remember the name of that place? No, it, it's changed uh, it changed hands a couple oh, times. Oh, has it? Oh. Yeah. Uh, their wings are really oh. good there. And there was a liquor store at Anzac as well that basically serviced all the oil workers in the area, yep. and it was one of the last relic places I remember being. Because our older listeners will know that many, 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 many moons ago, like in the 70s and 80s, when uh, the liquor board in uh, Alberta was regulated, uh, you actually couldn't go buy or touch your own liquor. You would have to go up to a window, say what you wanted, and then a worker would go back into like their cooler area and all that kind of stuff and get you like... A two four beer or a bottle oh, well, of wine that's like or something just like after that. prohibition or something like that kind of well pretty much rules, yeah. but yeah you couldn't go into a store and pick up a, a six pack or pick up a 12 pack or anything like that and go out and so when the market was deregulated private liquor stores that that kind of all went away but anzac was one of the few places that still had that and i remember going in there and just being like shocked because i'd never seen it in my life i'm you know, at the time I was in my early twenties, so like that had been—I've heard—I had heard tales of it, but this place still had it because it was in the middle of nowhere, and they had apparently had a problem with people coming up and just stealing out of the stores. So it had to be, uh, uh, so they basically had 
at one point in time, maybe you didn't have it, but they had basically put it back in. You went up to the to the counter, and that was all kind of fenced off. You couldn't because you could see the liquor, but you couldn't uh, you couldn't touch it. And then you'd say, "Yeah, I want a two four of this, uh, a six pack of that, and a six pack of that," and they go and get it. Huh. But anyways, yes, <laughs> a little a little tangent. Um, so I I actually basically stumbled into uh into the homebrew club accidentally because i was going to the local like my local uh supply shop uh the vineyard and i had been i'd been order, or ordering grain there for like almost a year it was something like that it was i because i'd started like late 2016 or something like that was when me and brendan had started and it was almost like 2018 2017 when uh, after one of the many, many times I'd stop by and grabbing stuff, uh, the one of the guys asked me, he's like, are you a yeast wrangler? And I was like, no, I have no idea what that is. And he's like, oh, it's the homebrew club. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> so, I, so then he had explained to me, it's like, oh yeah, like there's basically amateur homebrewers that, you know, exist in the club and, you know, it's, uh, they do monthly events and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you can pay for a membership and then you get these kind of, these perks or whatever. It's like, okay, neat. And one of the big things was 10% off your grain bill. Oh, wow. Which, uh, and I was brewing uh, fast enough, essentially. I was doing like a brew a month or something like that, that I was basically getting my money back just on that alone in like eight or nine months. Because uh, it was like 35 bucks or something like that for a membership. And I was getting that back just in grain costs alone. And, uh, so then afterwards, like I actually went, started going to a few of the meetings and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was interesting because, uh, the yeast wranglers in YYC is actually one of the biggest homebrew clubs in Canada Yep. for amateurs. Like it's, it's actually fairly large. Yep. The next biggest one, like I think is in either BC and then there's a big one in outside of Toronto. Calgary, uh, not in Toronto. Calgary puts on one of the biggest homebrew competitions in the nation as well. Yeah, and like it, it reflects it. Uh, and so I, I started going to the meetings, and the meetings, like it was very interesting because some of them were, um, hey, we've got someone giving a, a talk about a beer style. It's like okay, neat. Uh, and then uh, other times, like I remember one, it was one of the uh, yeast. Uh, companies escarpment labs which is actually a fairly large uh company out, outside of the east of canada that does yeast and yeast development and they had come to calgary and we'd gone to one of the local breweries and they were like yeah we're going to talk about this was actually i remember this one it was when quebec came out as a yeast which was the scandinavian yeast and again north american markets hadn't known it about so they came out did a huge presentation on it and then gave everyone a sample of the yeast they're like, hey, this is enough to inoculate, uh, one like one five gallon batch, and then you, and then it's like you can cultivate it if you want, uh, but like here, try it out, sort of thing. So, it was very interesting to start because at that time, like I don't like you know you read the internet and all that kind of stuff, but um, I kind of got invested. Like I never got like super duper invested, like you know joining the board or anything like that. But I went to a lot of the meetings. Uh, entered a bunch of their competitions and then on their big like roundups uh 
I uh, I entered beers for uh, competition scoring. So yeah, like uh, I like I still get, what was it to this day I still get their emails even though I'm not a paying member anymore. But uh, like I could still go you know to the uh, to the meetings and watch and all that kind of stuff. But I just unfortunately I don't really have the time anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I would have liked to have been in a club, it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, obviously it wouldn't make sense to join a Calgary homebrew club when I was living in Fort McMurray cuz I wouldn't have been able yeah. to go to any of the events <laughs> or mm-hmm. meetings or anything like that. But uh and and it's it kind of thrives off of that in-personness. Uh like they've done like since the pandemic started they've gone to an online virtual one so they're like they're trying to do like virtual tastings like hey everyone we're going to talk about this beer so like go grab a four pack and we can share sort of thing or they're having guest speakers on but it's like a big google meet meeting and then you know there's 50 to 60 people on it and you know sometimes people are talking and all this other stuff and the chat just it, it's kind of like chaos uh, so it really thrives like talking to people in person, um, unfortunately. Yeah. And drinking beer in person. Yeah, yeah. I've been seeing some posts from them, and uh, yeah, they do some pretty cool stuff. And uh, it would have been a neat way to learn of learn of like new styles or new techniques too, because uh, I had to learn mm-hmm. everything by you know reading books or or online articles. Um, so there, you know, there would definitely be advantages for that and. Especially for finding new ingredients, like when you have such a big group, like the yeast wranglers, like you know, someone there's always people who are so interested in it. They're out there. They take that extra effort to also go find new things and learn new things, and then share with the group. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's hard to do on your own, right? Because you can only do so much. Yeah, and that's uh, actually a really big thing. Is uh, like the reason why I made my goza is because I was at a yeast wrangler event and it, it's funny because now Goza it used to be considered a historical um historical ale. It was like a you know a relic that had survived uh you know German Purity Law and has been around forever, but it was a pretty minor beer because sours had fallen out of style and all that kind of stuff. And I remember I made one because it was basically on the on the list of the beer judging stuff. Uh, it was at the bottom in the historical section, and it's like no one makes these anymore. Okay, like I'll make one, and sure enough, I made one, and I really really liked it. And um, it had gotten amateurly uh, judged uh, as a part of a thing, and I had actually gotten decent marks on it. I got like. 30 35s out of 50 which means the beer is pretty much on target but it's not like a, the shiny example of the of it sort of thing mm-hmm. and it really got me interested into it so i started doing more and more experiments with it and i remember another one i've i've been trying to recreate this guy's thing ever since and i haven't been able to do it yet he made a toasted rice cream ale huh. uh which was very interesting because you like I, I, so a standard cream ale is just like Pilsner malt and two row or something like that. It, it's a very simple mixture. And then usually you add a bit of uh, sugar to it to give it that little bit of uh, dryness or effervescence to it. Um, and what this guy had done is he had taken like a pound or a pound of something of like cooked 
they, no, it wasn't cooked rice. It was like rice hulls, and he had browned the crap out of them in the oven. Like so, so they got that really dark, uh, kind of caramel almost flavor. So they had done he had done this, and then dumped it into the beer uh, as part of the mashing step. And so he had this really nice roasted note that came through on it uh, as basically a tertiary ingredient because like you can put rice hulls into a beer. And it was so good that I've been like, I'll try it about every one to two years and I still won't get close. <laughs> and I, and I've asked him at, uh, you know, back in the, back in the day at meetings being like, how did you do it? And he's like, I just roasted rice and put it in. And I'm like, okay, what did you exactly do? And he's like, I wrote down step by step, tried in my oven, scorched the crap out of rice one time. <laughs> I like burned it. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to put that in. And it was just a regular cream ale. And a few other times it was too light. So by the time uh, all the mashing had been done, that flavor was just lost. It was too light. So just like trying to find that like perfect uh, roasting amount to get that flavor in because it was really, really tasty. He had done it for uh, Chinese New Year. Uh, and it, it was, it turned out really good, but that's the thing. I would have never thought of that if I had never gone to the meeting and tasted his beer. Is this how you came up with the, uh, dark ritual? It, it, that's kind of how it started. Cause that, that's where my base goes. recipe came from was that competition and then getting kind of hooked on it. Uh, the dark ritual later came, uh, with talking with other Rob and being like, this is pretty good. It needs a fruit addition, though. And that's where, you know, we got uh, adding watermelon to it. And then it, then it's like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Speaking of dark ritual, where where is mine? Soon. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I say that is uh, I saw watermelon in store uh, the other day when I was shopping. So it's finally back in stock. It's in season, and I plan, it's not this coming weekend, because we're going to be at Beer Fest. Uh, also plug, uh, Edmonton Beer Fest, be there or be square, because Lucian's going to be in the corner. That's right. Uh, but uh, the weekend after, I've got a free day for the first time in, like, forever. So I'm borrowing the equipment. I'm doing a massive triple batch, so then all of us can have Goza in, like, End of June. Perfect. <laughs> the irony is... Oh, I don't know if I want to see this on the podcast. I guess I will. The irony is that means this beer will potentially be ready when I begin my cancer treatments. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. Great so timing. I won't even be able to fucking drink it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, we'll, we'll put it into the keg. We'll put it into your freezer downstairs. Uh, the temperature controlled one. And when you're done your treatments and all that kind of stuff, then you can literally get your, your roommate to bring it upstairs for you and you can pour yourself a nice glass. Yeah. I, fuck, I, I don't, okay. Anyways, just so people have some context last week, what we were just talking, well, I guess if I put it in the intro part, um, we were talking about, I was in the hospital last week because, uh, I went there for some other issues and they found cancer. So yeah, uh, kind of a, a surprise. Yes, it was very surprised, especially since uh, I'm totally 100% healthy otherwise. Uh, no weight loss, um, no appetite loss, like nothing. Like you would, I'd have no, I had no idea. Like I don't have any of the classic symptoms, nothing. Well, and like 
you know, for the other problem, it's a good thing you went in and got checked and then turned out it was this sort of thing. Because, like, otherwise, like, who knows how long, up, like, it it would have gone undetected, essentially. Yeah, so basically it's, it's, it was caught pretty early, and um, uh, it's at a point uh, where the doctor's telling me, like, the survival rate is really high. We're talking, like, plus, like, 90% plus. Yeah. So, um, and because I'm younger, I'm only 39 at this point, uh, which is also really weird for having cancer so early, uh, but it also helps increase your odds of survival. So, um, mm-hmm. I'm confident I will get through it, but I am not excited for the experience. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to putting poison into my veins. Yeah. But it's for a good cause. Yeah. If we could just skip to the end part where there's no cancer, then that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. I'll, I'll just go into a coma for a month. Just just wake me up when yeah, it ends. Yeah, just put me to sleep. <laughs> but yeah, so... Yeah, because... And yeah, speaking of that, because I saw the water bottle, and, like, and I was like, oh, I can make my dark ritual. And I was like, oh... I finally, like, it's finally in stock. I have enough to actually do <laughs> do what I'm owed almost a year later. Eee. Yep. And then as soon as you're done with it, give the gear to Brendan, because he owes a beer, too. That's true. Yeah. He owes, owes a beer. And then uh, afterwards, like, I, I was going to say, I don't know when our we're going to do our Smash competition, but whenever we get that done, then we can do, uh, well, well, that one... Uh, <laughs> well, Brendan has a beard. It, it, I'm pretty sure he made one. I've got yeah. I've got one in the works. Have you started yours yet? Yeah. No, I the my on the weekend I thought I had time and turned out I didn't. I'm gonna try tomorrow to do it so I can basically ferment over the weekend and then when we get back from beer fest I can transfer it into secondary. Uh but uh Yeah, uh well I guess I'm gonna have to do it before you start your treatment. <laughs> <laughs> and not that we're we're hoping for this, but we're hoping you lose, then you have to make us a beer. But in the context, I'm going to blame you really guys bad... for sabotage because while I was in the <laughs> hospital on the weekend, these guys transferred the beer over for me from primary to secondary. So if it's all fucked up, I'm going to blame these guys. <laughs> um, it tasted good, so I'm just I don't think it's going to be good as mine. That's all. That's all I'm th- I'm saying. Well, you have an unfair advantage now because you know what mine is. So, <laughs> I like I already locked my recipe and all that kind of stuff, so I wasn't going to change it anyways. Anywho, uh, <laughs> back back to the topic of uh, homebrew of homebrew clubs. Um, so it is like I would say like homebrew clubs are actually fairly useful. Um, because, like, they can connect you with, like, like-minded people, like-minded resources. Uh, like, there's actually uh, one thing I used very sparingly, but there's actually a buy and sell on the, the East Wrangler's website. So every once in a while, a guy would, like, hey, I bought, like, a pound of hops a year ago. It turns out I'm not using them. Anyone want to, you know, basically give me a six-pack of homebrew for, you know, the remaining of this package? And someone would buy it. Or someone was getting out of the... Uh, out of like homebrewing big time so they had like all these fermenters and all these carboys and be like hey i've got five of each who wants some sort of thing um and then a new homebrewer would be like oh that's perfect i'll grab them sort of thing so it was a good networking 
And especially in Calgary, a lot of the home uh, home brewers that were like very good and very involved with the club have moved on to professional brewing, which is very interesting. Yep. Uh, like the most significant one I can think of is cabin brewing. Uh, Try to remember his name was Mark or Mike Jonas. or something like that. Well, jo- Jonas was the one from uh, Wild Rose. I'm trying to remember the the. Actually, I'm going to look him up real quick on Cabin's website. Because uh, he was actually, like, uh, fairly involved in the homebrew club and is now... Uh, there we go, Cabin story. It wasn't Jonas. It was Darren. Yeah, Darren Sayers. So he was, like, a like homebrew president or something along the lines of that for quite a while. And then he know he got to know Jonas, and then they kind of embarked uh, the the two of them and their other partner uh, Hayden, <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, uh, yeah, like they started from there, and to this day, like they still hold a lot of events at Cabin because they're like, yeah, go to Cabin, like they'll pour you a, full, a free pint for the the meeting, and then you have to buy your own afterwards or something like that, or hey, they did something super interesting, they want you to come and try some dark age beers. So, yeah, like if for our listeners who, you know, are thinking about it sort of thing, look up in your area because they're a little bit more prominent now. They didn't used to be, but you can go on Facebook or just search your area sort of thing and search Homebrew Club and you'll probably find something. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would recommend it. Like I, I kind of, like I said, like I would have joined one if I could have, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it didn't work out for me. Just the timing and. And where I happen to be living at the time. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit harder if you're remote. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can do it, I would say definitely do it. I I, would, I think it's worthwhile. Yeah. Oh, and I'm, I'm just, uh, just remembering stuff now. I remember I saved a guy who was having trouble with his beers. Because I had run into the exact same problem. Uh, it was with a cleaning solution. He was using, like... But again, for our listeners who don't know, there's a couple like common solutions and then there's a couple like legacy ones that still hang around. And it was pink chloride oh, that the guy that was using. Sucks. I hate that one. It sucks. And I'd figured it out like I'd been using it because my dad used it for wines, uh, which with that, it's, you know, OK. Uh, but with beers, beers were picking up the off flavor from the chloride, even with rinsing really, really well. And a guy was having problems. He's like, I'm getting off flavors. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like you know, just chat with him. And he had mentioned that he uses, I'm like, do you use like, you know, pro brewer cleaner or anything like that? Or oxy, uh, oxy clean essentially. And he's like, no, I use a pink stuff. I'm like, don't use it. I'm like your next batch, throw it out. Don't do not use it. And sure enough, like a couple months later at the next meeting, I was talking to him. He's like, oh yeah, my beers have turned, my beers have turned around. It's like, you never know what you might learn at a meeting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, you well, yeah, there'll always be little tips and tricks. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And that's the thing, like you can search the internet for that, but you never know what you'll find just offhandedly talking to someone. Cool. Cool. Well, Rob, if uh if people wanted to let us know about their little tips and tricks or, you know, how their homebrew club is the best homebrew club, how could they tell us? Uh well they can text Steve at no just kidding. <laughs> 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 they can go to our website uh, solutionsbrewing.com we have a contact us page there which sends us an email uh, if that works for you or you can just send us a direct email no problems at solutionsbrewing.com 
And we're also available on Instagram and Facebook at Solutions Brewing Co. And because we've got uh, three more mentions of it, you can also find us on Twitter at Solutions Brew One. Nope exclamation or something i don't no. know see you you can't even <laughs> promoting it doesn't I, 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 I'll, I'll give you yeah, a, I, i'll help you here it's at solutions brew i one there we go yeah okay because i was trying to do it last week on the thing and i screwed it up again but i'm like because it was mentioned that it's like groundhog day there's still six more weeks mm-hmm. of twitter mention so we've got three left <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps up for the episode uh thanks everyone for joining um we're at edmonton this weekend so if you are coming by come come say hello pick up a sticker and pick up a good beer and we'll talk to everyone later yep talk to you everyone later take care bye